You're listening to the podcast where you can feast on all the information in the world of sports. Now, here's your host, Tommy Yu. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. And this one is very special only because um, we're actually cutting it pretty close to actually Darren. I feel like we record a lot of our episodes ahead of time, but this one's almost like going to be a fresh episode because this one goes out like tomorrow. So this is going to be really, really fresh, especially because we also have a special co-host who, uh, yo, uh, Greg, what time is it over there? Uh, it's Tuesday, so it goes out today, actually. Yeah, it's for you. Today. Woo. It's going to be a long one, it, definitely for sure, because of what we're going to cover. But Darren... It's nice to have you aboard. I feel like I haven't had a lot of opportunities to chat with you recently, but I feel like not much NFL news has happened. But no. for this sake, I think we were kind of talking about what we should do for this episode. And then uh, what did you pitch? Um, so I said we would do a PDL, another PDL mock draft. Um, so, but this time we're going to use landing spots. So you kind of get a better guesstimate on where these guys might go. Um, the idea behind this was to maybe incentivize the league members to do their full NFL mock draft. We could use that instead of me getting <laughs> some random dudes mock drafts off of Twitter. Um, I did kind of cheat a little bit. I used multiple versions of his mock draft in order to get these landing spots just to make the, the PDL mock draft a little bit more fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it might be a, a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. But before we jump in and kind of talk about some of the landing spots that you found in this mock to kind of eventually be the foundation and basis of our PDL mock, there was a trade that went down in the PDL. And I'm excited because we also have Greg here who's going to be able to help break this down. Um, but yeah, um, what trade went down in the PDL there? Uh, so Brian uh, from Hollywood, he sent 207 to Michael. Um, from California for 308, 311, and 312. A package of picks. So it looks like um, Mike just got a little bit of an upgrade. I mean, he kind of got up to a nice premium second-round pick, and Brian, uh, what he's kind of doing is saying, hey, I want more ammunition, so he wants more shots, and that's kind of what it looks like at face value. So um, probably not the biggest trade at face value, but before I throw it over for your reaction, Darren, I'm actually going to throw it over to Greg. Greg, when this trade went down, I'm sure it shook your world, right? Because the draft, that's your thing, man. Yeah, I mean, pick, pick swaps are uh, not as exciting as like big quarterback trades. You know, maybe if uh, like Malik Willis had been traded again, I would have been excited, but um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought it was pretty fair. Uh, Michael obviously had a bit of a roster crunch after he acquired a bunch of players. So, yeah, I think he needed to get rid of some of um, those picks or players. Uh, so this was a good way to do it. And Brian is following the same strategy he had last year, where just acquire basically as many picks as you can and get a bunch of dart throws, uh, spend the summer over the roster limit, and then cut down as we get closer to the season and you have more info on you know, um, like what training camp shape, uh, shaping up to be and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, what are some of your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I agree with Greg. I think it was fair value. Um, personally, I might rather keep the 207 just because I think that that's where the value in this draft starts to kind of drop. Um, it just, 
as of now, I mean, it could be different like in a month when the draft NFL draft actually happens. Um, but as of now, just like looking at the fake mock drafts that, you know, uh, fantasy pros and like all those other sites do. Um, it seems like after that point is like when I'm like, I don't really know if I want that guy. So, but I think like getting three shots and it's not like he's, he didn't get three fourth round picks. Right. Like, so he got three usable players possibly um, because we've seen guys get drafted in our drafts that were drafted in the third round. Uh, Like I think Terry McLaurin was drafted in the third round. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deontay Deontay Johnson, Johnson, Antonio Gibson. Like there's been very good players that were drafted in the third round. So you never know what you can get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's actually exactly what Greg just said. It kind of shows some of the strategy that Hollywood did previously. And it's kind of history repeating itself. Let's see if Brian's going to be able to walk away with a handful of hits because he's casting a wide net. And it's really nice to see Michael be able to kind of get a slew of picks that he's slowly been accumulating from all these trades that he's been doing up to a more premium position to hopefully be able to call his shot and uh, get someone that he has his eye on rather than just trying to get scraps and saying, oh my goodness, I hope someone can fall this low kind of thing. So I'm really excited for the direction that both of the franchises are going. Um, but yeah, I definitely expected a little bit of a lull with trades, especially after Trey Mageddon. I don't really have a good nickname for what has happened, right, Darren? But naturally, we <laughs> kind of expected a, a slowdown. But uh, actually, since we actually have Greg here, Greg, what were some of your takeaways when you still, like saw all these trades go down? Was it kind of like crazy for you too? I think I was on a plane. I'm pretty sure. I think it was <laughs> Did flying you like tonight. touch down and then your phone like exploded? Yeah. Yeah. I like opened it and then I got you know all the text message alerts and sleeper alerts and everything. And I don't realize what had happened until I think I got to the hotel and like sat down and pulled up my phone and everything. Um, and I still <laughs> I probably like missed some of them <laughs> because I could, there was so much chat that also had happened and I, I didn't get through it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. I think at least like we, Basically didn't have any trades for two months. <laughs> um, I think we had the Hertz trade and that was it. And then, yeah, just everything while I'm on a plane and can't respond or pay attention or anything. So <laughs> Dude, what it, are the chances purposeful. seriously, though? I, I've been tra- traveling a bunch now, so I hate it. But um, it seems like every the, the Malik Willis trade went down when I was on a plane, too. So, Dude. Just I let me know the next time you take a uh, a flight so I could leak PDL Shefty saying, hey, I don't know if anything's going to go down, but if history were to say anything, something, the chances of a trade happening is going to be a lot wider in the window of these hours while Greg is in the air kind of thing. So that's actually really, really interesting. And I just can't imagine literally landing, putting my phone off of airplane mode, my phone just exploding and then me think, oh, it's, you know, it's PDL, whatever. And then just seeing like, nine trades and being like what the fuck just happened <laughs> like how does that happen like that, that's unbelievable but with that being said darren let's talk about some of these landing spots with this frankenstein mock that you found uh, can you tell me where some of these quarterback running back wide receivers etc uh have landed so we could kind of see where we could potentially mock our pdl teams um that you know what they would think with their picks yeah sure so i'll just run through like real quick all of them and then when we go through the actual draft we can re-say i guess where they landed so everyone remembers mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and like the implications so we, of those yeah. kind of landing spots <laughs> like and why they were means. going there exactly yeah. yeah yeah so off the top yeah 
So 101, Carolina selected Anthony Richardson. Bryce Young went to Indianapolis. CJ Stroud went to Houston. Will Levis went to Tennessee. B. John Robinson was selected top 10 by the Atlanta Falcons. Jameer Gibbs went in the second round to Arizona. Charbonnet joined him in the second round to Buffalo. Devin Achain. How do you say his name? Is it Achain or A-Chain? I, I thought it was A-Chain, A-Chain. but I, A-Chain? I'm always wrong. Oh, cool. Maybe I was right this time. Thank you, Greg. He is the draft so, expert. He was drafted by Philadelphia. Tank, Tank Bigsby was drafted by Cincinnati. Kendry Miller was drafted by Miami. JSN was drafted by Green Bay. Quinn Johnston was drafted by Houston. He was the first wide receiver taken. Uh, Jordan Addison was drafted by the Giants. Zay Flowers was drafted by Buffalo. Josh Downs was drafted by Tennessee. Michael Mayer was drafted by the New York Jets. Dalton Kincaid was drafted by Kansas City at the end of the first round. Darnell Washington was drafted by Cincinnati. All right, that's a lot to unpack, but don't worry, guys. When we start talking about landing spots and uh, picks, uh, that's when we'll be able to elaborate a little bit more. And we're going to go in order of Greg, myself, and then Darren. We're going to alternate that way um, with the order of the mock draft. And at 101, Hollywood is on the board. And Greg, you are now the GM. I mean... Do I have to say anything more than Bijan? <laughs> I mean, it was clear for me when I had the pick that it was Bijan. There's no other considerations here. Okay. Maybe if Richardson goes 101 in the, the NFL draft, maybe you consider him here. But it doesn't change the fact that he's still risky. And Bijan is basically as sure of a thing as you can get, even if he's a running back and not a wide receiver, quarterback, whatever. Uh, I don't care. He's going to be incredible so i have real no problems with him taking him 101 yeah absolutely and let's talk about that landing spot real quick darren could you imagine Bijan robinson in arthur smith's atlanta falcons smash mouth offense like that's amazing right yeah brian would be happy and sad at the same time because he would he would simultaneously draft Bijan robinson and he would be in a very good landing spot but he would also <laughs> kill, kill tyler algier destroy him <laughs> So Brian would be like, this is awesome, but also at the same time, I'm very sad on the inside. Um, but I, I mean, you can't get much better of a landing spot, right? Like, you got to get has... handcuff to t- Tyler Algier is what you're <laughs> exactly. saying. You have to lock down Atlanta's backfield, Brian. So you got to at least get the handcuff and that's worth it. He also has Cordell Patterson. So we'd have all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Infinity Stones. He's trying to collect them all. And he's like, this is how you win the PDL championship. You just get Atlanta's backfield. But they have a good offensive line. Uh, Arthur Smith runs the ball like no other. Um, I, I mean, be it's down a great by forty, spot. and they'll still run the ball. Yeah, and like Greg said, he's a sure thing. And we saw like Zeke, right? Like Zeke was a sure thing prospect coming out. Um, he went to Dallas. He gave you six RB one years, I think, and one RB two year. So he had seven really good years in Dallas before he was, you know, falling apart and cut. Um, but I mean, if you can get the same seven good years out of Bijan, you can't really ask for much more, right? Yeah, absolutely. And with that landing spot, and I, I think it doesn't really matter because it's the worst kept secret. 101 is definitely going to be Bijan. And then with the 102, that puts the Dallas drip on the clock. And that is me. I'm going to get into the mind of Welch. And it has been no secret that he has his eye on the quarterback position. And I think it, if, 
Anthony Richardson goes 101. It's a no-brainer here. Uh, either Welch drafts Anthony Richardson here at 102, or he trades for someone that wants Anthony Richardson because he was drafted first overall in the NFL draft of the Carolina Panthers and surrounded in, you know, Frank Wright's um, really development ship mentorship is what I meant to say, but I feel like that would be a great, great landing spot. And I feel like the ceiling that Anthony Richardson gives you, especially in a fantasy football context, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Hollywood would, I'm not saying Hollywood would not take Bijan, but Brian would have to kind of do a little bit of a double take because I feel like that's kind of a really juicy storyline to follow. But as much as I want to throw it to Greg, I'm going to throw it to Darren first because Darren, you found this mock draft and kind of pieced this together and you knew the headline that I would bring or like confront you with is, whoa, Anthony Richardson, one-on-one. That's actually kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. What What are your thoughts if this actually happens? Um, if it actually happens, I don't think I would blame Welch for going Anthony Richardson, even though he is Would very it be in risky. consideration for one-on-one at all for you or no, it's Bijan or bus? It's not even close. Uh, I think I would still take Bijan just because he's safer and you know what you're going to get. Um, and Brian already said it himself. Like he was like, there's no, I didn't trade Jalen Hurts to go for a project quarterback. And I agree with that logic 100%. Like if you're going to trade Jalen Hurts, you're not going to draft someone that could be Jalen Hurts, right? Like you're not, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So um, I mean, I'm taking Bijan 101. And, and then Welch, he can. I think he can really consider Anthony Richardson here because he has the luxury of having a pick right after it that he can be like, I'm going to go high upside, low floor, and then I'm going to go high floor. And I still think high upside. Um, I, I guess I could just say my pick now. <laughs> it would be CJ Stroud is who I was going to go with. Um, he was drafted by Houston. And honestly, I think his ceiling is a former quarterback that they used to have that was traded not too long ago for three first round picks i think that's his ceiling um which he had three i think three in a row top five seasons before he you know did some bad off the field things so i don't know um, i feel like cj Stroud doesn't offer as much on the ground that watson offers fantasy wise right i think he can he has the ability for sure like he's he's not unathletic no, but that's also not like a defining trait, whereas Deshaun Watson, that's kind of one of his things. I guess, but just more really in a fantasy football context. No, I'm not like, saying think... he's going to get you like, you know, a thousand yards on the ground all the time, but just, you know, I, I feel like like I, th the ground. I think CJ Stroud could get you like how many rushing yards a year does Pat Mahomes get like 300 ish, 400? Like, I think he can do that. Like, he's athletic enough for that. You know, let's pitch it over to Greg. Now with these two quarterbacks off the board, you don't really have to give me in detail because we're going to break that down at the second half of this pod where we kind of really break down the rookies. Um, but what are your takeaways with uh, Richardson and Stroud going back-to-back -back for the Dallas Strip? Do you agree quarterback-quarterback or no? I mean, yeah. If I was well, I would try to trade one of them at least and then maybe take a safer quarterback. Um, or try to trade car. I think like if you want to take Richardson, I think that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Richardson could also be nothing. So then maybe you want to keep car and have CJ Stroud and, and Lawrence. So um, you just swing for the fences and, and take Richardson it too. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think really the only other consideration for me would be JSN, I guess here, because Gibbs 
landing spot was Arizona, which is basically, it's, you may as well shoot them into the sun. That's not going to work. I don't want anything <laughs> to do with the Cardinals right now. Um, and Charbonnet is kind of a reach here. And yeah, none of the other wide receivers really do anything. So I think he could go JSN if he doesn't want to take two quarterbacks, but I don't have a problem with the take a risky and safe quarterback combo. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty fair if he can't get any value for for one of these picks and no one wants to trade up. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. But now you are on the clock again, put on the GM pants, but now your franchise, the Carolina Thunder, you're taking over Darren's franchise, and now you're on the clock at 104 after seeing two quarterbacks go off the board. Yeah, I mean, it's Bryce Young. Like, Darren's quarterback room was old last year. We made fun of him for it. And then what does he do? He goes out and gets even older quarterbacks this year <laughs> to play. Like, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. Like, there's no other choice here other than Bryce Young for me. Um, we'll get to it later. Like, I don't love Bryce Young as a fantasy quarterback. I think he's a better real-life quarterback. But the landing spot in Indy is pretty good. I'm assuming they stay pat here or stay at four and, and get him and don't trade up or anything. Um, in that case... Yeah, they're not giving up anything. He has decent receiving options. Hopefully a good offensive line. Or they can be a good offensive line again. again. Um, but yeah, I think that's the consideration here. And I, I also don't have as much faith in Watson as Darren does. So I think you have to go quarterback here um, if one of these two safe guys falls to you. Hold on. I think I just had an epiphany. Thanks to you, Greg. Darren, I feel like what you're doing with your team, and I apologize if this reference is completely wrong. Um, My brain is already kind of fried and it's only a Monday. But do you guys remember the story of what is it like the portraits of Dorian Gray? He has like that one painting up in the like attic and it gets all aged and old while he looks like perfectly young. I feel like that's what Darren's doing with his quarterback room. Like that's where all the ages like he needs it somewhere because the rest of his team is just so young and he refuses to have anyone over the age of like 25. And because of that, something has to pay. So I feel like with this quarterback room, you're right, Greg. He just keeps getting so old at that position, which I feel like makes him an absolute hypocrite. Darren, what are you doing? You you went out and got Tannehill. <laughs> you still have Matt Ryan. You're like, yo, Matt Stafford. I like that shit. Like, what well, what are you, you doing? Know, I, I, Greg actually said this to me. He was like, you are the Indianapolis Colts of this league, just like you know, <laughs> buying all of the, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> the quarterbacks. And just shoving out the the veterans for one year deals and stuff, and you know, um, it's, you're just it's flipping funny off because... the league, and you're saying you can't stop me from doing this. I'm just gonna do I think, it. <laughs> I think it was one of the dynasty ranking things that you sent me, maybe, and it had like the average age of each team, and mine was still one of the youngest teams in the league. But I know my quarterbacks are really trying their best to drag that down. Like I think I get a full extra year, maybe two, on that age because of my quarterbacks, because I, I mean, I still have Tom Brady on my roster and he's 45. So Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, uh, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> oh my God, these, these guys, I, I watched them growing up as a little kid and they're, they're still on my fantasy team now. So like, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're going to be here. <laughs> like I remember when um, Ryan Tannehill was at Texas A&M as a wide receiver. That was like 20 years ago. <laughs> now he's, he's still on my fantasy team. So, you know, this well, is guys, just... they gotta be somewhere. 
<laughs> absolutely unbelievable but i definitely agree with greg i feel like you would definitely need a quarterback to kind of help with at least how old the room is and being able to get bryce young here would be uh really solid so that puts me on the board i'm you're you're on you go back to back so i have to go and bryce young i know what you should do but once again i know what you're going to do just to piss me off you would definitely think JSN here, absolutely, especially if Green Bay actually spends a first-round pick after Aaron Rodgers, what we believe leaves, finally addresses the wide receiver position. Like, how ironic is that? And sometimes the NFL does things like that where I'm like, man, there's no way that they actually do this. But if JSN actually goes to Green Bay, I feel like Brian from Hollywood is going to be smiling ear to ear because he's going to be so happy that Jordan Love is going to be able to have a go-to receiver like that underneath along with someone like Christian Watson. So that's going to be fantastic. I love the landing spot and what it can bring, but Greg, what are some of your takeaways? JSN? I know you said that was even in consideration as early as one Oh three after Anthony Richardson in Dallas, right? Yeah. I mean, if Darren drafting him, he has to trade some receivers like that. There's two receiver spots plus two flexes. (laughs) I mean, they're gonna be. You're gonna have so many. You don't know bench. Darren like I, I do, man. He 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 doesn't use <laughs> sense. He's just he just gets infatuated and he just do- he stares me directly in the eyes and he's like, "I'm gonna do it." Just think like, about don't how you pretty JSM dare. would look on my bench. Like he would just be the prettiest bench player you could ever imagine. <laughs> He just, Fine. he just wants to, he, this is like crypto for him. He's like, I don't need it, but just imagine. And I'm it's like, like oh collecting my NFTs. <laughs> yeah, but he I mean, just... you're picking fourth overall. So what does that say? Oh, about your God. He went for it. It's, it's not a, it wasn't a great strategy last year because when I had everyone on my team get hurt, except for my wide receivers, that was all I had. <laughs> He just smiled. You're like, at least I have you guys. And this is where I got you to. I don't think you're going to learn. I think you're still going to go JSN. I mean, you can't really know the landing spot, nor really blame you. It's just with your team makeup. I think that would that's what really would make it comical. But after that JSN, Big Darren, you are now a GM, and you have to go into the Fort Knox of Steve, the most one of the most mysterious owners in the league, at least when it comes to mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they're doing. Max calls him a nice or an ice, a cold-blooded assassin. So with that being said, Denver's on the clock with, I think this is PDL history, the first first round pick he has ever used. So uh, where do you think he goes? So I, I think Greg, I mean, <laughs> I think Steve is hard to figure out. Um, now, I, I don't really know how to get into his head. Like there's a lot of options here, I think. Quinn Johnson went to Houston. He was the first wide receiver taken in the draft. Um, that's an option. I think Jameer Gibbs might be a lot of people's like, why are you not taking him here? He went to Arizona. I think they're going to be a dumpster fire the next couple of years. Um, I mean, Jonathan Gannon can shoot off all these fireworks all he wants in Rondell Moore's face, but I mean, I don't know how that's going to go. <laughs> that was um, so bad. Zach Charbonnet. He is arguably the second best running back in the draft. He was drafted by Buffalo in this scenario. Um, then you have Devin Achain. He went to Philadelphia. Maybe he's a new Miles Sanders. Um, I think just trying to guess what Steve would do here. I'm going to go Charbonnet. He went to Buffalo. Um, Steve definitely likes the Buffalo offense. He traded for Dawson Knox last year. Um, Charbonnet is like the biggest back. I think he likes like big, like he loves Nick boys. Chubb. 
Yeah, he loves Nick Chubb. He has I feel a type. Like, I don't it's know. It's fine. Charbonnet. We could say it. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Charbonnet to Buffalo. It's the best offense. Um, I mean, Philadelphia might be arguably better, but um, Achain's really small. So I'm going to go Charbonnet to Buffalo. All right, Greg, what are your thoughts on uh, this pick here? I mean, I've said in the chat a couple of times, Charbonnet is my running back too. Um, I prefer him over Gibbs. Like I see the upside of Gibbs, but Charbonnet is safe. I think he'll have that at least first and second down work in Buffalo. If he goes there, I think he's a good compliment to Cook, who will take some of the third down um, responsibilities. But Charbonnet can be a three down back. I just don't know if he'll get that opportunity, opportunity necessarily. Yeah. Like, yeah, is he in the first round here? Oh, this is, uh, I assume, second, second round, right? Yeah, yeah, he was the second yeah. round pick. Still great draft, draft, draft capital, capital for, uh, yeah, yeah, for running back for sure. Yeah, so I think it's good for him. I, I The only downside for me is the rushing touchdowns from Josh Allen, taking them away. That's but a great point. I know point. that um, I think the, the Bills just want Josh Allen to not take as much punishment as he is. And at some point, it has to stop. Like he's either going to get injured and realize that it has to stop or they're going to get through to him and be like, Hey, we're just going to run. We're going to get a big running back and you don't have to do all the goal line stuff and short yardage. Um, so if, if Charbonnet can take that work, then that's great. I think maybe the touchdown upside is a little bit limited, but yeah, he's a really good running back and he's would be with these landing spots. He's clearly my running back too. in like a tier of his own here. Yeah, I love that takeaway for sure. He is absolutely my running back too as well, even without landing spot. Uh, but if he goes to Buffalo, he would absolutely kind of be in his tier as well. But with that being said, Wichita is on the clock. Greg, you are the GM. Sorry, Jeff, you have been replaced. What do you think uh, the whirlwind do here? Future Hall of Famer, uh, Will Levis. Will, <laughs> the thrill of us. I can't wait to get to this breakdown. Uh, yeah, well, he's going to make me look stupid just like Zach Wilson did. But, um, yeah, I think Jeff needs a quarterback. Like, there's questions around Tua, obviously, with the concussions. I'm not that worried about it, but still, with the injury history he had with the hip also in college and then the concussions now, uh, he's a smaller guy. And then Daniel Jones got the big contract, but I don't think you're classifying him as – a quarterback one I, th- I think he's kind of like a quarterback two or something like that so i think yeah it, when in this mock levis goes in the top 15 i don't know where tennessee picks like 13 or 11 or something like that uh, i can look 11 yeah so they, they pick 11 so he's top 15 quarterback so i have no problem taking him at seventh overall i think that's a decent value uh, and he'll have a pretty long leash i would assume in tennessee uh, I assume Tannehill's traded also in this scenario, or he sits behind Tannehill for a year. Either way, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think especially if he goes in the draft at 11, Darren and I have been saying it forever, and it's not original. It's been said all across the internet as well, but the rookie draft is the absolute cheapest to get a quarterback in general, and if this guy's a fringe top 10, um. You know, I feel like getting them here is going to be the cheapest you possibly can, especially with that long leash that you mentioned. Darren, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think going to uh, Tennessee, he has my guy, Traylon Burks, to lean on. Um, Hall of Famer Traylon Burks can make Will Levis a Hall of Famer himself. So, I mean, we got two Hall of Famers here on the same team. We're Tennessee. just we're just throwing out the term Hall of Famer just all over the place now. All right. He would be I, happier I than memo. Mike Vrabel. I think, I, I don't know, I'm just saying, like, I think Will Levis is a very Mike Vrabel guy. Like, they would get along, I think. Like, they're they're both weird. 
like <laughs> on a very you know like football guy level weird that's fair. That's fair. But I feel like there will be absolutely no uh, complaints. I feel like Jeff would be thrilled to be able to get Will Levis uh, all the way down here. Uh, with that being said, Mike Servos from the Southern Oregon would be on the clock. And so I feel like absolutely one of the positions that he has to address is the running back room after spending a 102 pick on Kenneth Walker and absolutely smashing that pick. He's going to try to cash in again at the running back position. And I think he's going to go with, uh, yeah, Jameer Gibbs. And in this scenario, he would be an Arizona Cardinal, which all of us believe is going to be a dumpster fire. But I think we would all agree. Jameer Gibbs profiles as the type of running back slash, you know, kind of a hybrid player that could also do a lot in the receiving game that could actually benefit from you know blowouts where you kind of have to play a little bit of catch up so i feel like um if arizona is as bad as we say maybe a little uh michael carter williams effect even if james connor is there jameer gibbs profiles as the type of get out complement that very very well because in the nfl it's rarer and rarer to see uh like all you know the workhorse i feel like that's kind of slowly fading away with uh you know all these veteran running backs slowly kind of you know really breaking down but with that being said i feel like mike would be absolutely thrilled to be able to get gibbs here darren let me throw it over to you what are your thoughts well i wouldn't say mike would be thrilled about it i don't think he's thrilled about many things um especially at the running would... back position right if, <laughs> yeah. if it was wide receiver he's more thrilled but um think... <laughs> running back he's more like i guess i have to do this actually <laughs> i think like like me he would think very strong and hard about taking Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston here. And he'd be like, you know, I, I got to take Gibbs. Like he's talked about highly. But then I, I, Greg, when we were breaking this down before we started recording, Greg was like, it could be Clyde Edwards Hilaire part two for Mike. And I, I oh, you think the PTSD is going to kick in? He's just going to let me like, fuck it. I'm just going to take the first <laughs> wide receiver that was off the board. And that's Quentin Johnson in this scenario. Yeah, so I mean, I I think you've made the right choice. Like, I think Gibbs was like probably what he would regretfully do, um, but I I don't know, I think he wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> he would be like, oh, fine, but... fine, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm saying he learned from last. It's like, oh man, I oh, I see Darren taking all these wide receivers. Maybe I should take it here. I don't know. There's a lot of different ways it could go. So that's what makes these mocks so fun. Trying to get into the brain of the other owners, but. Try to get in the mind of Welch because he finds himself on the board to Dallas Drip with their third pick in the first round after going Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud uh, in this mock, at least. Darren, who do you think he takes? So I'm going to say that Welch right now is going to take the first wide receiver drafted to the Houston Texans, Quentin Johnston. Um, I mean, I think it just makes sense, right? Like he has the high upside wide receiver here. Like he, he could go running back, but for like where he's at, maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to like maybe reach on Devin Achain here to Philadelphia. I know he like he went to a good spot and everything, but I think Quentin Johnson is a little bit safer, um, especially because he went with the twelfth pick to the Houston Texans and he's going to be playing with his other teammate now in Dallas, CJ Shroud. Like he got both of them. He got the stack right from the rookie draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts on Quentin Johnston? Um, actually, no, you don't have to break it all the way down for me, Greg, because maybe you don't want to reveal your hand. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this pick here? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I want to avoid all Houston players if possible. 
Um, Houston, Jacksonville, and Cleveland are three teams that I just like to avoid. I've had significant luck just avoiding all of their players entirely. So as much as I think he'll be the number one there, uh, I don't love the landing spot. And yeah, I, I don't, he's obviously the highest upside guy, but he's not as big as they thought he was. And he didn't test like off the charts, incredible like Anthony Richardson did or anything like that. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I guess with the consensus on him, like, I think he's fine. He, I obviously see the upside, but I, I think he also just, I don't know. It doesn't feel very safe to me. Like he, some of these other guys that I'll, that we'll talk about later, like flowers and Addison and even downs seem a little bit safer in what they can provide. So if, if this is the actual draft capital, I don't think you can go against it, but um, when the actual draft comes around, yeah, if those other kind of safer, fast, shifty guys are available, I might look to try to take one of those over Quentin Johnston. I don't know. Actually, hey, let's tee you up. You actually put yourself in a perfect segue, like a professional podcast co-host. Sorry, Dare, you might get replaced here. But let's talk about some of these potential higher um, or safer kind of players with the um, Boulder Bears on the clock. Tanish gets the pick in the first round, uh, and you kind of get to play that role. So who are you going to take in this spot? Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. Save Flowers. Uh, to like, I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but he's probably my wide receiver too, uh, especially if he goes to Buffalo and he lands up being the wide receiver two there. Uh, this is assuming they don't bring in anyone else or anything like that. So he's, he just, uh, he gets separation. He's very shifty. He reminds me a little bit of like Antonio Brown mm-hmm. uh, without yeah. the insanity, hopefully. Um, yeah, I think he can play outside as well. Like, I, I don't think he's just a slot guy. I think Downs is maybe a little bit more of a slot-only player. But I think he profiles, if he can play outside, he can beat press coverage, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think playing opposite Stephon Diggs, that's great for him too, like a lot of space. And obviously there's a lot of passing volume in that offense. I don't think Gabe Davis is anything. And I'm not worried about the random jabroni wide receivers that they bring in every year to try to – you know, you get hyped up like Jamison Crowder last year, or Isaiah McKenzie or whatever, like I'm kind of over that. So yeah, Zay Flowers for me is pretty easy here. I think this would be a really, really fascinating landing spot, especially because a lot of people are actually comparing Trey Flowers to a Stefan Diggs type of player. And so being able to share same wide receiver room and almost having a mentor like that, especially not just learning from him, but but really the defense has to pay a lot of respect to dig. So that will be able to free up flowers a little bit more. I think would be fantastic um, to reveal my hand. I believe Zay flowers, I believe might actually be my wide receiver too, as well. I have to go recheck everything though, but um, I think it might actually be wide receiver three, but regardless, that just really speaks to how highly we both think of them. But Darren, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that, um, just because of draft capital, I might still put the other guys ahead of Zay Flowers, but I do agree with Greg. Like watching him play, like I do get flashes of like that look like Antonio Brown. Um, not saying that he's going to be Antonio Brown because that is very high praise. Um, comparing someone to a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but you do get the flashes, and it might be like maybe the red and gold, like because they both played in red and gold schools. Um, but I mean, man, like 
there's certain things where you're like, wow, like that looked exactly like Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a lot of the comparison. A lot of scouts have been saying and drawing that parallel as well, which is why everyone's getting so, so excited for him. And he's coming out of Boston College. So I feel like that's why people aren't higher on him because he had a really great year, even with how terrible they were this season. But with that being said, Darren, you're back on the clock and I have to pretend I'm you again. And I think you're just going to go best value. And I think the value here, I think that I probably did this in the last mock as well, but I think you're probably going to go tight end because everyone is saying that this is such a great draft for a tight end. So might as well take the one that most people have as the number one tight end. And Michael Mayer seems like the safest. And I feel like that's going to be able to complement your team very well because the PDL is a tight end premium league. And so I feel like Michael Mayer profiles as the type of player that kind of really makes his bread and butter with a lot of PPR. And if that's the case, you're going to be able to really unlock another level on your team if he's able to pan out. So what are some of your thoughts? Let me throw it over to Greg, because uh, it'd be kind of weird for you to break down your own pick there. <laughs> I, yeah, so in this mock, Mayer went to Jets at like whatever 12 that they have. Uh, and then Kincaid went to Kansas City. So I would almost prefer Kincaid here. I think the upside is higher. Uh, Mayer, I think the common comp he gets is like Jason Witten. So he's not going to kind of blow the ceiling off of a defense. He's not really a vertical threat. He's just kind of like a reliable, steady, over-the-middle guy. Um, they might ask him to block a lot. Yeah, I guess it, it depends – if they start bringing in a lot of weapons here, like they bring in OBJ, um, I'm not that worried about Lazard, but they still have Garrett Wilson there, obviously. Uh, Reese Hall is going to take a lot of work. I, I'm kind of wondering like how much he's going to get as far as like, volume is concerned. And then long-term, I'm also a little bit worried Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there forever. So I, I might prefer Kincaid in that scenario. But yeah, I think in the tight end premium league, this is about where one of these top tight ends is going to go. Um, but yeah, my personal opinion is that Mayer is going to be a better NFL tight end than a fantasy tight end. And if Kincaid goes to Kansas City, I think the hype is going to be really unreal here uh, to like slip into the back end of the first round. Yeah, and we see how great the Kansas City hype has worked in the past with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Sky Moore. It's definitely been a home run. So obviously... Joking aside, Darren, I got to put you up at bat now because to end the first round, you are going to be drafting for the Southern Oregon. Mike slips in again for the final pick in the first. So who do you think he takes here? So originally, right, I have Jordan Addison here. Um, now that I'm thinking about it and really thinking about Mike's roster, um, I think I'm going to, I see you just type 45 seconds left, so I'll just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will wrap that portion up in the second Zoom. All right, Derek, continue with Addison, please. Okay, so I, originally I have Jordan Addison here, and I was really thinking about Mike's team, and I'm looking at the prospects as you guys are talking. Oh, are you pivoting? I, I have to, because... Don Kincaid at the end of the first round to Kansas City. He could be the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey, right? Um, Mike doesn't really have like a solid tight end option. Like he has um Evan Ingram, but he's only on a one year deal to uh Jacksonville there. Maybe they sign him to an extension or whatever, but I wouldn't really feel comfortable relying on him long term personally. 
Then he has like Mike Gusecki and Greg Dulcich and who knows, like we're, we're all kind of assuming that Greg Dulcich is going to be Sean Payton's favored tight end, but who the hell knows what he's going to do? Like he, we thought that it was going to be uh, Albert O last year and then it was Greg Dulcich. So who knows, like who knows what he's going to do? So I think like having the chance to get uh, the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey in Kansas city, I, I don't think Mike would pass out that opportunity. I think he would pass on Jordan Addison as much as he would want to take him. Um, and he would take Dalton Kincaid to have his solid tight end to fill that spot there that he can rely on someone there. Absolutely. And we already heard that Greg obviously would have considered him all the way up at your picks. So I know he thinks very highly and would have to agree with that as well. So for the sake of the flow of the pod, we will kind of break it down and just I'll just repeat how the we believe that possibly this mock will go. And obviously it's going to be super inaccurate like most mocks are. But right now with how the PDL um, mock draft stands from 101 to 112, it looks like Bijan Robinson to Hollywood, Dallas drafts, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud back to back. And Darren, you follow that up with back to back picks with Bryce Young and JSN. Steve takes Charbonnet with his very first first round pick in the PDL. And Jeff is really excited to get Will Levis. Southern Oregon Mike is on here and he reluctantly takes Gibbs, like you said, Darren. And then Welch takes Quentin Johnson as the first wide receiver off the board. The Boulder Bears Tanish makes his first first uh, PDL pick by taking Zay Flowers. You're back up on the clock, and I said you're going to take Michael Mayer. And to close it all off, Mike takes Kincaid with that Kansas City offense. He drinks that Kool-Aid, so hopefully it pays off this time. So with all of that being said, guys, I really want to transition this quick because I want as much time as we can to talk about some of these prospects because we have a little bit of gap before the NFL draft. So what better way than continuing our series, Darren, and talking about the NFL rookie prospects. We were originally going to talk about the tight end and then Greg was a superhero. I was like, no, I'm going to rescue Tommy from having to talk about that. And we're actually going to talk about quarterbacks. And I was like, yes, this is going to be so exciting because this is where I get to shine a little bit as well with some of the um, draft breakdown things as well. But with that being said, let's kick this all off. And uh, let me at least throw to the room. I get is CJ Stroud is uh, pretty much I'm not unanimous, but like he's like the favorite to be 101, right? At least according to Vegas. I guess I'll throw it to you, Dare, if you've been mm-hmm. kind of keeping track with that. Yeah, he was originally before the Panthers traded up for 101. He was projected to go the like the be the third quarterback selected, um, and now he's going to be the first, most likely according to the Vegas odds. And it's like at one point it was like there was no doubt in anyone's mind the odds were so high that it was going to be cj stroud um it's kind of come back down a little bit now um because i think the panthers are leaking like oh we might go bryce young we might go anthony richardson because they're probably trying to get someone to trade up that hopefully they want one of the guys they don't want um but i think like the guy they want is stroud um if you watched any of the josh mccown breakdowns he kind of you could tell he didn't like will levis at all, so I would be most surprised if it was him. I think. I think um, someone would get fired if they traded up to the first pick overall to draft Levis. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be like 
the greatest move. Uh, but I think like CJ Stroud, like you said, like CJ Stroud is not going to get you fired. Um, he is a guy that's safe, quote unquote. Um, but he also, I think, has a high ceiling at the same time. Everyone kind of talks about him like he's like he's Jared Goff or something. Um, but I don't think he is that, in my opinion. Like, I think he has a much higher ceiling than that. Um, I think like I've seen him compared to like Joe Burrow and stuff. Um, in my opinion, I think he's Deshaun Watson. I and mean, he said at the combine, like he <laughs> was kind of Why bad. is every comparison for you somehow <laughs> go back to Watson? I, I think he's similar to Deshaun Watson. I think he's like they play similar-ish ways. Like I they and he he would uh at the combine he, dude at the Are we watching the same CJ Stroud? Yeah, dude. What? <laughs> yes. I think they're similar. Um he said he emulates his game after Deshaun Watson and Mike Vick, which Mike Vick made no sense. Like I was like, how the fuck do Dude, you he plays like Dak Prescott? What are you talking about? <laughs> Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson kind of play similarly. So you think okay, so you think very highly of CJ Shot. You don't believe you think he's so you definitely don't agree with the comparisons that kind of compare him with Jared Goff, right? At least let's start there. Well, I think Jared Goff might be his floor, which is fine. Like if that's your floor, then you're wow. Still... So you said absolute worst is what Jared Goff has done so far. I think so. Like I think that he if if he's going to Carolina, he they, they have all kinds of veteran coaches on that staff that they assembled there. Um, I think he's going into a good place if he goes there and they have a pretty good offensive line. Um, I know that the weapons around him aren't like the best, but um, I think that they might start Andy Dalton a couple of those games just because like he's there and they might throw him to the wolves the first couple games just so that whichever quarterback they draft kind of has some time, you know, don't know the playbook a little better and, protections and all that stuff um but i think like next year like not this year coming up but the one year after that they have over 100 million dollars in cap space i know i already went into the rant about marvin harrison and all that stuff um but i think he's going to be like set up for really good like the first year might be bumpy but most rookie quarterbacks the first year is bumpy um but i think like long term i think i think he's gonna be really good Greg, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are some of your thoughts on C.J. Stroud? Because I think you and I both agree that he doesn't remind us of Deshaun Watson, but who does he remind you of? Jared Goff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Would you care to elaborate? Jared Goff. Like, he's more mobile than Jared Goff, but I I just, I don't know. To me... I, get, I agree that he's the safest quarterback. Like, I don't I don't really like safe versus risky in general, but for quarterbacks, I think I kind of align with that. I think he's the safest. I think he's the most boring. I think he's faced almost no adversity in his career. Um, he, like, I won't talk about Levis yet, but, like, he's been behind pristine offensive lines. Like, he really isn't under pressure very much. His success rates under pressure are not good. Uh, he's been throwing to what at least four like first round NFL wide receivers in Olave. Yeah, Wilson, he, he threw to Jamo, Garrett Wilson, Olave. is gonna get yeah. Drafted. Oh my gosh. So I mean, it, I don't know. Like I just, he's gonna be under more pressure. He's gonna have less weapons. I just, I'm. I think he's safe, but I I don't think the ceiling is there. I don't see Deshaun Watson at all. Like maybe if I just look with my eyes closed. 
You mean just not look at all? Like, yeah, like what? I I don't see see that. Like, I don't care if he models his game off of that. Like, he doesn't do it unless Ohio State was like, no, you stand still, do not move. Um, Then I, I I just don't see that. Um, I I like him as a prospect, but I I have questions with all these guys. Like every single one of them, I have questions with. And I just, I don't think for fantasy football, he is going to move the needle that much. I think he's going to be like a solid contributor for a long time, but I don't think he's going to, he's not going to push Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or any of these guys. He does, there's no, there's no ceiling for me there. That's pretty y'all, much how I feel. Y'all are going to hate me, but it's fine. And I'll take the heat. I'm not saying he is him, but like what, what what's the difference between CJ Stroud and Kirk Cousins in a fantasy football context? I, I don't, I don't see much of a difference. Kirk Cousins is great. He's a great facilitator. He has great touch. He's accurate. Uh, I feel like I'm describing CJ Stroud right now. He's accurate, has great touch. Uh, Obviously, Kirk Cousins is not as mobile as CJ Stroud, but I don't profile CJ Stroud to be in the athletic realm of Deshaun Watson like Darren does, but I could be eating crow. Maybe this is going to be an element to his game in the NFL in which he is able to display that much more because of the way that the NFL is evolving. But honestly, I do see a little hints of Jared Goff and hints of Kirk Cousins kind of thing. And that's not a bad thing. I think that is great. And I think that's why I'm trying to at least help the listeners that might not follow, uh, watch all the film and things like that. Uh, when we say safe, that's what we mean. He's like a great facilitator and he does everything you need to do. And I would love to see him face a little bit of that adversity because that Ohio state stigma, Darren, can you actually help the listeners? I know a lot of the uh, listeners don't follow fantasy or not fantasy football, college football, but there's always a stigma of, a. Uh, Ohio State quarterback coming out. Can you explain that a little bit more? They're always terrible. Like that. <laughs> that is the stigma. Like Dwayne Haskins. Um, what well, Braxton Miller had to switch to wide receiver to be drafted. Prior. Um, Terrell Pryor. Like every quarterback that it, they couldn't be amazing. Like Troy Smith was awesome. Won the Heisman Trophy. Was a seventh round pick. I'm pretty sure. Like I don't think he ever started the game. He was a backup on the Ravens for a long time. Like any quarterback that goes to Ohio State, the jury's just, still out on Justin Fields, who I had as one of the best quarterback prospects I've seen in a little bit. Uh, he was able to do everything, and he still has struggled to adapt as well. But I think a lot of that my, my has jury's to be... closed. I have a verdict. <laughs> you, you say it's done. It's <laughs> over. Sorry, Murphy Street. Start over. But just to kind of contextualize, that is the stigma. And I feel like a little bit to that, especially recently, um, is because they have so much blue chip players that the quarterbacks just they don't really have to make many reads because the wide receivers are always that open with that separation. Uh, he doesn't have to work as hard as, say, other quarterbacks that I'm sure we're going to be talking about. But I also feel guilty because now I feel like we're penalizing him for hypotheticals, right? He didn't make all the plays. He looked fantastic. He was able to torch Georgia, even though they still lost. But I also like to raise a little bit of, not red flags, but some concerns, at least in a fantasy football context, on why some of uh, those reasons exist. Darren, do you think those are fair points? Yeah, I do. I kind of do agree with both of your guys' comparisons, like Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff. Like, I think I think he's going to be as good as Jared Goff at, at the floor. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's been he in the NFL for like, what, 10 years? He's um, going to be one of those quarterbacks where you know how sometimes on like social, like, 
Yeah, no, yeah. And it's gonna be like one of the things where um on like Reddit, you're gonna see like player A and player B. It's a blind testing. Look at the stats, and you'll be like, Can you believe that this player is actually Kirk Cousins? And people are gonna be like, What? Like, same thing what people do with James Connor. Just take his name mm-hmm. out and just look at how productive he has been. It always blows my mind. But it's kind of in that scheme. So that's why I don't mean it's a knock, but uh continue. Yeah, like and I think that if you like obviously Kirk Cousins is helped by um Justin Jefferson now. Um, but I mean, if you can get 12, 13 ish years out of a 102, like that's a plus. Are you taking you Kirk Cousins more. at 102? Like, if, if you're on the clock if, and you're Welch and Kirk Cousins knew, is there, if I could go back to whatever year, whatever, when was he drafted? 2010, something like that. Like, yeah. if I could go back to 2010 and I knew his career, how it would play out, I probably would. I would not if I if I knew I, I don't even know remember who was in that class like obviously it was Andrew Luck RG3 mm-hmm, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know any of the skill players but but this um, is like yeah. having hindsight knowing how his yeah. career <laughs> like would, you would play. Take I mean, like he's RG3. always gonna be a starter would you take that one excellent oh yeah I would 100% RG3, take him over RG3 no 100% like, you gotta take Kirk Cousins yeah so like if you're getting that's kind of like the Anthony Richardson versus see the Stroud debate I guess because you could get like one excellent year of Anthony Richardson maybe two or three before he flames out or you get 13 of CJ Stroud and they might not have like the absolute peak but you're going to get him for a really long time and he's going to be a franchise cornerstone for your dynasty team absolutely but let's sexy though <laughs> <laughs> but let's just carry on let's talk about the next quarterback um, what a lot of people also had as one of the top quarterbacks in this draft, and Bryce Young, the undersized quarterback out of Alabama. Uh, he measured in at 5'10", 204. Yes, everyone, let's make jokes about water weight, la, 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 la. But with that being said, I'm going to throw it over to Greg. I, I, I'm i kind of liking throwing it over to him first so I can hear his breakdown and then also kind of compare it to maybe some of my thoughts and then throwing it over to Dare. But um, I know I let you break down CJ Stroud first, Dare. So in this instance, what about you, Greg? What are your thoughts on Mr. Bryce Young out of Alabama? Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier. Like To me, he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. But for fantasy football I, I don't see it. Um, I, I think he's just more limited even than CJ Stroud. I, he just, I'm not worried about the size that much. Like maybe a little bit just based on what we've seen to it doing like, just, but if Bryce Young knows how to fall down, I think he'll be fine and not crack his head on the ground. Um, he has this like sixth sense. Like he, if he was bigger, there would be no question at all, which tells me that, he's the best quarterback in the group. Like he's the best at playing quarterback. So I I don't have concerns about his ability to see over the offensive line. He targets players over the middle of the field all the time. That's really one of the areas where he's best at. He just has this sixth sense of like knowing where players are, even if he can't see them or like, you know, manipulating the lanes and stuff like that. I do have issues a little bit with the size because he has this, like he likes to scramble around and stuff, which is great because he has this kind of sixth sense of where the pocket is, but sometimes he just doesn't let plays die. And there's been, I don't know, at least one instance per game where he won't let the play die. And he gets absolutely like the wind knocked out of him. Like he will get knocked out. And I I just don't think you want to see that in the NFL. 
especially at his size with the the quality of athletes he's going to be getting hit by these defensive linemen. I'm a little bit worried about that. So I think if you can correct that one small flaw with him for an NFL team, he's going to be great. But I think there's never going to be any sort of rushing upside. Like every time he takes off past the line of scrimmage as a fantasy manager and he's on your team, you're going to be holding your breath. Like, please slide, please slide, please slide. Um, And he's not going to get you any of those like cheap garbage, Josh Allen, goal line touchdowns. Uh, He's not going to get any yardage on the ground. So I think he's a little bit more of like an old school kind of pocket passer in the NFL. So I'm not sure how much that translates to fantasy, Uh, but I, I like him as a prospect. I just think maybe the ceiling is a little bit limited. Like he doesn't have that cannon arm or anything that some of the top players in the NFL have. So right now, and I'm not speaking about fantasy upside, I'm going to ask you, and then I'll also ask Darren as his transition to also talk about Bryce Young and your take as well. But right now, Greg, who do you have? Who do you think is the better? Who will be the better NFL quarterback, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? Bryce Young. Gotcha. How about you, Darren? Same question, and then I would love for you to elaborate. I think I would go with CJ Stroud just because I would just be afraid that Bryce Young's career is cut short because of his size. I do Imagine think like, being I, a I, Gettleman hater and then becoming him. <laughs> well, I just think that like like Greg just said, like every time that he's on the field, you're I think even not even when he's scrambling, just like any time. Like we saw Tua Tua's bigger than him and he got like ragdolled a few times this season. And so this doesn't know how to fall, to be fair. I, I agree. Judo classes. <laughs> I agree. But... Ju- he just he has to take classes <laughs> is, yeah. to learn how to fall. That this yeah, this is, is the first thing they teach you in martial arts is to like how to fall back and like let your hands kind of take your fall and like rock yourself back. And I, I read that he was taking uh, judo classes this summer oh, to learn how to fall. So he's definitely exactly. working. I, I love that a survival tactic has to be taught. That's fantastic for me to learn. Yeah, it's pretty cool, but I, I mean, that's not like sound logic by any means, but just because like, I, I, I do agree with Greg. Like, I, I think if he was bigger, no one, he would be the 101 real life, everything like we would be like, he is the best quarterback in this draft. There's no question about it. He'd probably be drafted before Bijan in our rookie drafts, but I think he is the best quarterback, but he is just in the body of an accountant and that might not work in the NFL. (laughs) For me, I am a huge, huge Bryce Young fan. I have been for quite a while now, and I think it's a lot due to my bias when I was breaking down Jamison Williams and the draft class of last year when I had Jamison Williams so high, which probably might make me look like a clown down the road. But while I was watching that breakdown, I was like, damn, look at this quarterback. This Alabama quarterback is unbelievable. And then I watched his film from this year, and I was like, yep, he still has it. Um, This is fantastic. I am very, very, very high on Bryce Young and would love to be able to draft him, but I know that's not something that I'm ever going to be able to do. And I already kind of came to terms similar to how you did, Darren, on how you're never going to get Justin Herbert. I'm never going to have Bryce Young, and that's okay. I'm okay with that now. Um, but I think very highly of him. I'm interested to see how he's is in a fantasy context, at least. Um, but I think the next two players offer ceilings that these two quarterbacks don't offer, but they also offer 
they don't even have a floor. It's a free fall. So with that being said, we have to talk about it. It was projected possibly as a one-on-one in the mock draft that you found, Darren. Anthony Richardson, I'm going to go to you first, Dan. I'm alternating between Theron to Greg and you. I, I would just love to know your takeaways because um, I don't think we really had too much of an opportunity to actually talk about it on air. Yeah, so I think he's obviously an extremely, extremely good athlete. Um, in an earlier pod, I compared him to Terrell Pryor. Um, I think I would still probably go with that. Um, I he's really he's really got to go to the right place. Like I think like, I've seen him mocked a lot to Seattle and Detroit, um, where he would sit a year. I think that would be awesome for him in like real life if he could just sit a whole year and kind of take like you know the Pat Mahomes route, like how he sat behind Alex Smith, learn from a veteran. Um, but then you have like the risk of Trey Lance, like Trey Lance didn't play his rookie year. Then he didn't play his second year. And now we're talking about him being replaced by Greg's favorite Brock Purdy. Um, I I don't know. Like he makes me very uneasy (laughs) just because like his passing profile is the worst of any quarterback to be drafted. Thank you for bringing that up. Let me bring this up with statistics. Bryce Young, who we just talked about, 32 touchdowns to five interceptions with over 3,300 yards passing. C.J. Stroud, who you're very high on, 41 touchdowns to six interceptions for over 3,600 yards. Uh, Anthony Richardson, 17 touchdowns to nine interceptions and a smidge over 2,500 yards passing. Yeah, one of the worst passing statistical profile of a quarterback in the first round if you were to go there right that's kind of what you were saying yeah and, and but he, i think he's going to be a first round pick because of his athleticism but he's got to really learn how to throw the football because he's playing the quarterback position and that is the, what is the most important part of that position um you're if they were just looking for athletes, they would put athletes there, but they need guys that can throw the football. Um, I think he's probably the worst quarterback as a quarterback in the draft. Um, but I mean, his oh, upside boy. because he's so athletic, he's so athletic though. Like, so for fantasy football, he could be great, but he's, he's literally like in the 100th percentile of everything. Yeah, he's got to learn how to play the position though, and he's got to like, I think if he went to Seattle, right? Like, if he went to Seattle, he's just behind Gina Smith for a year. He's going to Pete Carroll, and he can, like, we saw what he did with Russell Wilson. Um, maybe Pete Carroll made Russell Wilson because he didn't let him cook. Um, if he could do the same thing and kind of accentuate his abilities in Seattle, that would be great for him. I don't know if he's necessarily going to go there. Um, and it's still, even if he goes to the perfect place, it still might not work out just because he's so flawed as a quarterback but he is an excellent, excellent athlete. I hear you guys, but I just, I don't care. I want him. <laughs> I, I want to draft him. I want him on my team. The, uh, to me, the Terrell Pryor thing doesn't make any sense at all because Pryor was like a three-year starter, four-year starter. I don't know. But he started a lot of games in college, and then he never yeah, got any true. better. Richardson yeah. was in one year, and then he was out. Um, I The accuracy thing, I don't really care. I mean – it's just landing spot for me. Like if he goes to a bad or mediocre franchise, I'm hundred percent out. I won't draft him even in the second round of a rookie draft. I'm completely out. But if he goes 
to a team that you believe in that has a good coaching staff and can actually like teach him how to be better, then I would be all in on him. I would take him. Time out. Second, Time out. Second. You do care. You just said I heard, but I don't care. I want him. But you're like, but if he goes to a team, I don't really like. I'm completely out. So obviously, yeah, but I don't care about the stats. I don't. I don't care about the accuracy stuff. I care about the the landing spot over pretty much everything. Like I, don't I know, but we're also play. trying to accentuate the fact of how he played the quarterback position and why some of those red flags may be raised for listeners that might not have the opportunity to really understand why. He is such a polarizing player, and I think everyone already knows that. It is definitely because he's more of an athlete than a quarterback. But what you're saying is if he goes to a good landing spot, you're not going to be able to help yourself to be able to spend such a high draft capital because of what he would mean in the fantasy football context, right? I I don't think he's as far off as some people say. Like, he's not a one-read quarterback. Like, he can read defenses he can like make the correct throw or like diagnose the correct throw he just has issues with like accuracy so if you think throwing the accuracy, and if you think yeah but if you think like uh, if you think it's a, a mental thing and he just he can't be accurate then you don't draft him if you think it's like a footwork thing or a technique thing that you can improve upon like it, it's up to you it's if you're drafting and you say that accuracy is a fixable we have enough data to say that accuracy is a fixable thing for a quarterback then you and he goes to a good landing spot where you think they can actually fix his accuracy then you take him because the ceiling is so let me pose this question to you too if if i told you i'm from the future and in five years one of these four quarterbacks has surpassed patrick mahomes josh allen herbert burrow whatever and they're the, the top fantasy quarterback in the league i would I'm at least for me, I would get guess either Richardson or Levis. The the ceiling is not there for Young or Stroud for me. So, like, who do you think in this draft class has let that me answer that QB1? question with a question? If you were also to say one of these quarterbacks will be out of the league within the next two to three seasons, it would also be Levis and Richardson. So I feel like you're putting us in a corner where we would obviously say, Yes, of course Richardson has that ceiling, but I think the devil's advocate, I'm playing like the Mike Servos role here in this PDL podcast right now, is the fact that, yes, I absolutely believe that accuracy can be something that could be approved upon. Obviously, we've seen that with Josh Allen, even though he's more of an outlier than anything else. But my main concern is if he's already struggled with this in a college context, it gets much more difficult in the NFL context, so it's not going to be like a lear linear learning curve where you're like, oh, he kind of struggled, but he can make some improvements. Yes, maybe in that college context, but when you come to the NFL, it's almost like a completely different sport. So maybe that actually works in his advantage because he's able to get into a system where he's able to rely more on his strengths. And obviously, if he gets that draft capital, it's going to be built around him where a college program kind of works a little bit differently. So I think... Darren, let me at least throw it to you so you can have a chance to rebuttal as well. I think we would definitely agree that we understand the ceiling of Anthony Richardson, but the comparison you made with Terrell Pryor is just really trying to make that comparison of who he would kind of resemble coming out because we really haven't seen anyone like that before. Yeah, I, I think... So Anthony Richardson, I think he's as good a such a good athlete that how Terrell Pryor had a wide receiver one season. I think he's as good, that good of an athlete that he could do that if he transitioned to the wide receiver position. Um, 
but I do agree with both of you. Like your question to question, like I think Greg, I agree. If someone is going to surpass Pat Mahomes, it's probably going to be Anthony Richardson. But as Tommy said, if someone's going to be out of the league in the next three to five years, it's probably going to be Anthony Richardson. <laughs> so I, I think like he has a super high ceiling, but he also has a super, super high floor or low floor. Um, so I, I think that like it's it's kind of he's a dangerous game here. Um, and Greg, so his the where I've seen him mock the most, right, is to Indianapolis. Would you feel good about him if you went to Indianapolis? I mean, maybe I have an answer. If if <laughs> so, if if I had traded back, let's say I had the second overall pick with my current team, mm-hmm. and I was drafting, I would take Anthony Richardson at one hundred two. Um, if I had to, like, if you make me pick one of these four quarterbacks. At one at one oh two, I would take Anthony Richardson. I mean, I, I get it, like he can be out of the league. I, my my only thing is like that's just my preference is to shoot for like I want to win the league. I don't want to make the playoffs. So I'd rather either just completely suck or have players that are gonna be unstoppable. That's basically just my method. I I don't know. Like I can understand why you'd want the safe guy, but I I don't know. Like taking Kirk Cousins at one oh two just doesn't appeal to me. I'd, I'd rather have a little bit more ceiling there. Okay, yeah, Tommy, it, you said you had an answer, so. Yeah, no, my answer is a no. And I think it just is, I am also very, like, I understand why I sit in the league. I get to say this with the comforts of having Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. So it's not fair for me to just be like, no, of course I wouldn't do that. But after what Greg said, it absolutely makes sense. But regardless, if I saw him go to the Indianapolis Colts and I already know what my draft, personal draft notes and thoughts are of him coming out, that's just a recipe for disaster for me. And I am not as low on Richardson as I might seem on this podcast. Um, in a vacuum, I've already said I'm higher on him than many other quarterback prospects that have come out. Um, but even with that being said, I think it would be hypocritical of me to say, yeah, I would absolutely take him over the 102 because that's when some of my thoughts have to come in. I understand the ceiling, but it would just be going against everything. To me, I'm like, why would I do any of the scouting and anything that I enjoy doing to then just say, let me throw it all out and just go purely for the ceilings. But I absolutely understand why you would because if Anthony Richardson pans out, he's the absolute most valuable dynasty fantasy football commodity or the foreseeable future. So I absolutely understand why you want to go through that route. But but it's not necessarily like that that you're you're just looking at the ceiling. The the you have to figure out why you think the ceiling is there or what's wrong that's keeping him from getting that ceiling. So it's more of like a if you think those things are fixable, then I I don't know why you wouldn't take him. Like if he goes to that landing spot that you think they can fix it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to, yeah, to and me, I just answered that question. If he goes to Indianapolis, I don't believe that they would have the infrastructure to be able to fix what I believe is most of the concerns that comes with Anthony Richardson. Once again, right. I am, I've been wrong many, many times, and I'm sure I would be wrong here in this instance as well. But just in this hypothetical situation, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate of you are obviously very uh, into Anthony Richardson. So just trying to play a little bit of balance on this podcast to say these are the concerns of why I would probably not do that. And I would much rather go for a Bryce Young. 
But yeah, I mean, to me, like, there's not one of them that's higher. Like, they're all in a tier for me, and I would basically just take the the lowest one that I could get, pretty much. Like, I I don't really want to choose one of them because I don't feel strongly about any of them, to be honest. Like, I so, think maybe I'm higher in Richardson than consensus. Yeah, and that's good because now we get to talk about the next quarterback, and I'm going to let you have the room because this is the whole reason we wanted to tackle this quarterback positional group with you on air, and we are talking about the Kentucky quarterback, Mr. Will Levis, and maybe it's a little bit disrespectful that we even talked about him in like fourth in rotation. So, Greg, you have the room, man. What are your thoughts on Will Levis? I mean – probably the thing that makes me the most confident on him is how much the internet hates him. Like I'm seeing mocks where he falls out of the first round or second round. I saw someone say that he's a seventh round quarterback or something like that. Like, I don't know. It's absurd to me. Um, I started this tanking process a whole year ago when I joined the league and I gave away everything. Yeah. So I said it in the chat that my original strategy, I mean, I knew Bijan was there, but my original strategy was I really liked Will Levis. Like I liked, I just like quarterbacks that have big arms, basically, as you can tell clearly here. Um, and Levis last year, in, or sorry, two years ago, 2021, his season was incredible. Like a lot of people forget that because he had an absolute garbage year this year. Two years ago, he played in a pro-style offense with Liam Cohen, who then went to the Rams, not back at Kentucky, but he went to the Rams. Um, his... PFF grades, like, were all in line, basically, with Young and Stroud. And he also really had, like, an incredible rushing floor that these guys didn't have. He actually, more than Richardson, reminded me of Josh Allen because he would take those kind of, like, dumb, lower his shoulders and truck over guys. He had a bunch of, like, fourth and one conversions and a bunch of goal line work, stuff like that. So he was the guy that I wanted going into the year, and then he absolutely just shit the bed this year. And there was no way I could justify taking him one-on-one. So I kind of was off on him. Um, I mean, the the story on him is that he's basically had an awful year, but he had nothing. Like there was no offensive line to support him. His receivers were not open. The defense couldn't stop anyone. He, he was terrible. The entire offense was terrible. The entire team was terrible. Um, some pundits who have him really high just basically write off the whole season and then everyone else kind of, says, no, look at this year. He's terrible. Probably somewhere in the middle, but he, to me, has the strongest arm in the class. I think his arm is even better than Anthony Richardson's. He's not as good of an athlete, but his his arm to me is better. He just, I don't know. He's just cool. He does the banana thing with the the bananas. Then he puts the mayo in the the coffee. He's just, he's a cool guy. This is the breakdown that I wanted. This is what I needed. I no, have I, my I think thoughts on Will the, Levis. Okay, I would, I'll wrap it up here. I would say that I basically think the adversity he faced in college is more than any other quarterback in this entire class outside of these you know, four. I'm talking about like everyone in the entire class. I, I think it's more adversity than he would face in the NFL even because they were so bad. Like If you want to look, people say the, the Tennessee game when he played against Hendon Hooker was his worst game, and it was, but – they were down like 21 points in the second quarter. Like he was just chucking the ball. Like he never got up or he never, you know, stayed down. He never asked the coach to take him out. Like he kept getting hit and knocked down over and over and over again. He would get up, 
throw the ball down the field. He didn't have a great game, but like they were so bad. They were so bad, and he never gave up. Uh, he's a guy that they like in the locker room. Like the teams love him, the coaches love him. Uh, it kind of makes me a little bit more hopeful than my Zach Wilson kind of love, where he was maybe not the best team player. I don't. I haven't heard anything about that with Will Levis. Everyone has loved him, and he's interviewed well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was just my guy going into the year. So even though I'm a little bit off of him now, I'm still just kind of letting this hype train keep going. Um, and it's fun at this point, I guess. All right, Greg, before I rudely cut you off and said, I have my thoughts on Will Levis. What I was actually going to say was a transition to say, before I say my thoughts on Will Levis, I would actually love to take or get Darren's take. Cause I actually, I remember how high Darren was on Will Levis at one point, but I don't think recently I've had a lot of conversations with you with him, but I know just between our talks, I feel like you're just not as high on him, but uh, Darren, please help clear up the air. What are your thoughts on uh, Will Levis, man? Yeah. So I know it happens all the time, right? Where in college, they college coaches. Is this your Sam Howell thing? Remember how high you were on Sam Howell? And then the year after you're out. And then was this the same thing with Levis where like, you're really in on them. And then now you're kind of, I'm not saying you're out, but you're like, eh, I'm not, not really tantalized by him anymore. Sort of, but it's like, it's in a different way though. Cause like he couldn't start at Penn state over Sean Clifford. And we know that Sean Clifford is terrible. Um, but that, that <laughs> that's happens. just a fact. It's not even that an happens. opinion. That happens though, like way more often than you think it would in college. Like they start the wrong quarterback all the time. Um, just because of like stupid reasons and stuff. Like, um, you're, you think about it, right. And Tim Tebow, great, awesome, super duper great college quarterback, but Cam Newton was behind him and Cam Newton transferred because he couldn't start over Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow flamed out in the NFL basically in like three years and Cam Newton carried Auburn to a national title and won an MVP as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, so it's it, that's kind of me saying like it happens all the time. Like they start the wrong quarterback all the time. But Will Levis transferred to Kentucky last year. As Greg said, he was good. And I kind of expected it to progress and he would get better. Uh, he got worse. <laughs> so um, I, I'm kind of out on him. Uh, I, I see like. Carson Wentz, like Bortles kind of stuff. Like, I think like his his upside is like Jay Cutler, I think. And he has like a huge arm. Um, I'm sure you guys both saw some of the pro day stuff where he hit the ceiling in the dome. Um, I mean, man, like he He knows exactly what to do to like set Twitter on fire. He does he has a rocket, rocket arm. Like he is probably has dude, have you seen the guy's biceps, like, dude? Yeah, <laughs> quarterbacks don't look like that. People, wait, people wait, wait, are hold saying on, hold he's on. too muscular. Like he's Darren, too muscular. Like what the fuck, Darren? What if I told you that his hands are ten point seven inches? Like, oh my get him goodness. next to Kenny Pickett. That is, that is enormous, dude. That's <laughs> a <enormous. laughs> That's huge. That's um, like eleven inches. He doesn't make gloves. Dude. That's like Hakeem Nick size. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I feel like he's. Like he he has like the the it factor I think like as Greg was trying to portray like he 
he eats bananas like he's a he's a football guy like he is 100 percent. like he is a football guy but i just think that like he has too much of like he's gonna do dumb shit on the field and that's gonna cost him his job eventually um he could go to the right place though and it wouldn't matter like i think if he if he did end up going in tennessee and he sat behind ryan Tannehill for a little while like a half a year or a year or whatever he sat behind ryan Tannehill. i think that'd be a good spot like I, I think that they would use him correctly for some reason like they did a really good job with ryan Tannehill. they resurrected his career basically i, I don't know like I, I think if he goes to the right spot he could be really good um, like I've seen him mock to Washington because as Greg said, he's falling down mocks like really far now. Like I've seen him fall as far as like Minnesota at 24, which I think is kind of ridiculous. But um, even if he went to like Minnesota, like that would be a great spot. Like I think he's going to he's going to be at the benefit because he's going to go to a better spot than Stroud or Young or Richardson, most likely. Like he's going to fall a little bit and he's going to end up in a place that might be the best landing spot. So we could be hating on this guy, like kind of how everyone said Justin Herbert was going to be terrible. And he might possibly be the best quarterback in the class just because he's going to land in a great spot. Most likely he could still end up somewhere terrible. Like someone could trade up or someone could draft him where we're not expecting him to go. Um, Like if he gets to, if he goes to the Raiders, like as of now you would think, Oh, it's a pretty good spot. But then if Josh McDaniels gets fired, they bring in like a defensive coach or something like that. Like you'll be like, ah, shit. Um, but I think like he could, he could pan out. Like he obviously has the tools, but I would be just as nervous. I think about him as I am about Anthony Richardson, because I think he's just going to do some dumb shit. (laughs) Let me start my breakdown, which is not going to be long. It'll be really short, but with my breakdown of Will Levis by saying, Greg, I'm going to call you out. I am not going to give Will Levis any credit because he played a game in which he got blown out and he just he just kept trying. No, that's fine. Uh, but I'm not going to give him a bonus point. Like, I, I feel like a- any quarterback would do that. It'd be a terrible look if a quarterback was just like, coach, just, just take me out. I, I don't want to do it. But this is all to say complete pivot reverse. I'm actually pretty high on Will Levis, high, much higher on Will Levis than I am on Anthony Richardson. Um, and I have been for quite a while, Darren. I'm sure you've probably gotten those vibes because I know we've been talking about quarterback rankings and things like that for quite a while now. And I've consistently had Levis higher than Richardson throughout the process. And I definitely don't have Levis in the same tier in which I think of like a Bryce Young. But I don't know, man. Something about him. And even breaking down his film in which, you know, the year in which he shit the bed, there were still a lot of things I really liked. I, I can't shake it. I, I, the only thing really throwing me off was the fact that he was a backup at Penn State. But if anything, that's almost reinforcing why I think he might pan out. Because how poetic will it be with Penn State? You know, it's like a freaking cult where I am because I am in central Pennsylvania that, you know, the thing is, they just don't have a quarterback ever. Like Kerry Collins was like the best quarterback that like Penn State had. Right, Darren? Um, Probably. Right? Yeah, like, I, that's I mean, not good. <laughs> that's just yeah. not good. And like what? Like uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, yeah, there's just nothing else that I could possibly come up with. And so for me, how poetic is, is it that someone who might be something in the NFL, Will Levis, was just sitting behind Sean Clifford, and he now like kind of pops off. But 
this is all to say I am actually really high on Will Levis. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to pan out because it's kind of the same argument that you make for Richardson, right? He has such a high ceiling, but he could also have a low floor. But I don't think his floor is as low as you're seeing it, Darren, as in like Anthony Richardson, because to me, I see a complete free fall there. Uh, I think Will Levis's floor is much, much higher just because of the way that I feel like GMs are going to be viewing him. And I, I just believe in him. Uh, he already has one season, which was obviously two years ago in which he proved it. But I think that pro style offense is really going to be able to help him out. And that's what really intrigued me at first. And then all the tools that he brings to the table. This is the type of project quarterback that I'm into. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see where he goes. And that's why I was so interested in this mock draft, because what if he starts to fall? What if he actually does land in a good position? Like you said, Darren, maybe he gets a, a little bit of that bump because he might fall a little bit, which means he could go to a much better, you know, spot. So with all of that being said, I would be remiss. I feel like there is one final quarterback to talk about, and it's one that's kind of been sneaking in more and more into the first round. Darren, who am I talking about here? Uh, Hendon Hooker. So actually, I wait, think kind I of... think actually, no, no, sorry. Uh, Greg had Will Levis. I know I was alternating. I just wanted to make sure I was doing it correct, but carry away. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm not, the biggest fan of him but he's so old darren you should love him <laughs> well yeah <but laughs> for your quarterback room old. you're just like oh my god he'll fit right in as a rookie <laughs> but he's starting out old like you can't start out old you can come here and be old but you have to be in like the nfl for like 13 14 15 years and be old you gotta That's be cool. like proven with a long ass track record like they're they're saying like hendon hooker he can go to like Seattle or Minnesota or wherever and sit behind those guys for a year. It's like, dude, he's going to be 27. You want, you want him to be 27 when he's starting? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like if he's going to be, if you're going to draft this guy, you're either drafting him to be like a really good backup or you're going to play him right away. He's already 25 years old. Like he has enough experience. He should be playing to tomorrow. Like there's no reason why he shouldn't be playing. Brandon Whedon sends his regards. Yeah, but the ACL, though. Exactly. I don't think he's ready. You don't think he's – I think he's – I think he has to be ready because of his age. I mean, I don't think he's great either by any means. Um, I don't think he should be a first-round pick at all. Like, I know he's – I've seen him, like, now he's going – placing the back end of round one. Um, I think that would be – that's a stretch. Like, I, I know, like, last year we saw a whole bunch of quarterbacks like uh, Matt Corral and Malik Willis and – they were just shoving quarterbacks into the first round last year. And I think now they're like, for whatever reason, they're putting Hendon Hooker in there. It's like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to go in the first round. Like, you can leave him out of your first round, guys. Like, he doesn't need to go there. Um, I, I, I would be really surprised if the NFL took a 25-year-old quarterback in the first round of the draft. Even if it's the end of the first round. I just can't. I can't see it. What if like, Jerry Jones not... just can't help himself, man? He's just like, oh, my God, another old quarterback. Let's go. But it's like, why? He didn't do anything. He was bad at Virginia Tech, and he didn't do anything until he got to Tennessee, and he was 23 years old, 24, by the time he was good. And he's playing with 18-year-olds. Like, at that point, his mental level of understanding the game is so much higher than the other people on the field. And – you're you're playing with like i don't know it just doesn't 
I don't, I don't get it. Like he should be a second or third round pick. Like I know like Kyle Trask was a second round pick and he sucks. So if he could be a second <laughs> round pick, like <laughs> if he could be a second round pick, Hendon Hooker can, that's fine. But he should not be a first round pick. Absolutely should not. All right, Greg, what are your thoughts on Hendon Hooker? I mean, to me, the ceiling for him is actually the third highest in the class, like behind Lemison Richardson. He has a really good arm. He's pretty mobile. I mean, he tore his ACL, so he's not so mobile at the moment. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I don't know. Basically, my thoughts are he played in a gimmicky offense, and he was throwing receivers that were wide open. But again, we're not penalizing Stroud for that that much, so I don't think we should penalize him. Um, honestly, like I've, I've heard he's doing really well in the interviews, which doesn't surprise me that much. So if NFL teams, oh, yeah, he's like 45 to... years old, they're probably talking about like the same TV shows they watched growing up with the GM. I don't know. Like where to listen to the oldies on the local radio station. <laughs> you know, remember when the but... Beatles came to America? That was nuts. I don't know. So basically my entire, when I, when I sat down at the beginning of the off season and tried to look at all these quarterbacks and who I wanted to draft stuff like that, basically NFL teams, they get, they have hundreds of millions of dollars on the line and they cannot make correct decisions about who to draft. So me as a dynasty player, I have absolutely no possible shot to, to know who's going to be good. Um, so if an NFL team is willing to spend, like if he sneaks into the first round, that tells me that they're seeing something that we don't have access to. Uh, and I think a lot of these quarterback evaluation things, there, there's a lot on tape that we – can see, but then there's a lot outside of tape that we don't get to see. So I'm not going to go back to Will Levis, but let's say for Hendon Hooker, for example, like they, in meetings, they can say, Hey, you made this throw. Why did you make this throw? Like, what were you seeing? Was this what the scheme was telling you to do? Like, did, you know, you go outside of structure? Like, why, why did you do this? And they can get them in more situations on their offense. Like, what would you do in this situation, that situation, stuff like that. So I don't know. It's a long winded way of saying, if the draft capital is there, I feel pretty okay taking him in like the second round of the rookie draft because I think I'm not that worried about the age. Um, I mean, it's a downside, but again, I, he's not as old as Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon was like, what, two years older than him or something still? So I don't know. Like the, the injury is more of an issue for me because like Darren said, you probably want him to start right away, but I don't think he's ready for the start of the season. I don't think he's going to be out there week one. So I don't know if he just red shirts like his whole first year behind someone. And then you hope he's like a 26, 27 year old rookie in quotes quarterback. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think yeah, if the draft capital is there, I'm good. If not, I'm pretty like, if he goes where like third or fourth round, I think I'm probably just out completely. Yeah. He's definitely the one that's probably most dependent on draft capital. Uh, outside of, you know, some people thinking that somehow Levis is really going to follow the first and go further, which I don't believe to be the case. But Hooker, if he somehow sneaks into the first, I feel like you can't ignore that in the PDL draft either. You're going to have to know how important the P, uh, quarterback prices are. So that's definitely going to have some red flags go up. But he is definitely an interesting quarterback just because there are so many question marks, not just his age, but kind of like what you mentioned, Greg, with the gimmicky offense that Tennessee ran. 
Uh, there's just a lot of things, but it looks like he's kind of clearing up the air in all of these interviews. So that's at least some good signs. I am definitely not as high on him as maybe the consensus is, um, but it should be really interesting to kind of see how things pan out because as we know, this is a quarterback-driven league. The PDL is also driven that way. And so right now, I guess that kind of really wraps up most of the most relevant quarterbacks. So Darren, I want to throw it over to you. I don't want you to reveal your hand on anything with the quarterbacks, but I think it's safe to say that this batch of quarterbacks are getting people really excited. Do you think they're going to be as good as advertised? Or do you think it's because people might be getting a little bit excited because they were so starved of good quarterback prospects because last year people were getting all hot and bothered for you know, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and Matt Corral. And people are like, oh my God, finally, finally have some prospects. So uh, do you think it's going to live up to the hype? Um, Yes and no. Um, I think it depends on your expectations, I guess. Like if you're expecting four or five of these guys to be like superstars, um, I don't think that's going to happen. But There's I think no way that's going to happen. I think we might get two, maybe three, like maybe. Um, I think two guys from this class are definitely going to be really good for sure. Um, Stroud or Young seem like the most likely ones to be really good, but it could be Will Levis, it could be Anthony Richardson. But I think like there's going to be two really good quarterbacks from this draft class. Um, and the NFL definitely needs it because, um, as much as I like Baker Mayfield, he probably shouldn't be a starting quarterback anymore. <laughs> um, he's it's... had his opportunities. <laughs> I am so sorry, bud. Yeah, like he's he's only twenty seven or twenty eight or something like that. Like, so like he's not old. Are we talking about age? We want to bring time. in Sam Darnold, huh? Well, yeah, Sam Darnold, same kind of thing. Like they're talking about him, like he might be in the competition for the forty like nine starting job. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing putting Sam Darnold in your quarterback competition? Like you've seen him play. Like he shouldn't. And I get like Baker Mayfield. I think like they 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 kind of they're doing that sort of because they're like best case he's. 2020 baker mayfield right and they make the playoffs <laughs> worst case best he's, case, really he's average to a little above average this is great well worst case right he's carolina panthers baker mayfield and then they are really really bad and then they get caleb williams so or drake may whichever one is the number one pick next year it could be either of them i think um so i, I think now that, like, you're talking greg's language they're, yeah they're, they're going for the high upside, low floor thing, and I think that's what they're going for. That's why they signed Baker Mayfield. Um, Kyle Trask, I think, is just like it might be too obvious that they were tanking. <laughs> they don't like Todd Bowles wants to keep his job, right? Like he doesn't want to get fired. He was already talked about being fired already. So like at least with Baker Mayfield, it's like, hey man, I was trying, I was trying, and they have a scapegoat. Just works all around. Um, I don't know. Like they need an influx of quarterbacks. And I think like two or three of these guys, they're going to be really good for the NFL. For sure. So now I'm going to throw this same question over to Greg, because I would love to get his breakdown and his thoughts to see if he also agrees. What do you think this draft class is going to be like, Greg? Do you think it's going to live up to the hype? I think it will live up to the hype that it has now. I think it won't live up to the hype that it had last year at this time. Um, I think Young and Stroud both kind of just stayed the same. Like, I don't think either of them really increased their draft stock this year. I think they both did what they were supposed to do. Uh, you know, Stroud didn't break Burrow's season record or anything like that. 
Young didn't, you know, lead single-handedly carry the team on his back to the national championship. None of that happened. So I think relative to what they are now, I think there's a pretty good chance that they deliver because uh, I think the expectations have been tempered a little bit. But I think for me specifically, this draft class and the reason that I hesitated and sort of like started backing out of it early is that my personal who I like is basically Levis, Richardson, Young, and Stroud. But my rankings of who I think is likely to be a good quarterback is almost the complete opposite of that. It's Stroud, Young, Levis, Richardson. So it's it's a confusing class for me because it's basically what my heart and my brain tell me are the opposite things. So that's why I'm sort of, I don't know, I'm all over the place with these guys. Like I can, I see negatives for all of them and I see positives for all of them. So I agree. I think what Darren said, two, two of them are probably going to be great. I just don't know which two they are. So you're kind of, at least to me, this year, kind of just throwing a dart at one of them and hoping that they hit. I think that's what's going to make it so fun. So what you're telling me is when your good boy, Will Levis, starts to fall in the draft, you're just going to offer everything for him, right? Just Jalen Hurts for Will Levis straight up. Or no, you I'm obviously don't. Saying, I meant Herbert. <laughs> no, Herbert's never leading the team. I, You know, I would like to say that Darren never even made an offer for Herbert. That's how depressed he's been for the past <laughs> Oh my goodness, you're that destroyed, Darren. You couldn't well, even think of an offer. <laughs> When you said he was your favorite player, I was like, I'm not even going to try. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time. <laughs> I was like, and you you know you overpaid a little bit for him. So I was like, yeah, that's, I'm just not even going to waste my time on that one. I'm just going to let Greg have him. At least he went somewhere where he respects him and appreciates his talents. <laughs> He's in a loving home. <laughs> he is. Darren saw the price tag and he was like, well. All right, that's how we're going to play. Okay, like, bye-bye. Like right, right now, I think pretty much everyone would take Jalen Hurts over Justin Herbert. And you gave up Jalen Hurts plus to get Justin Herbert. And I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm probably not going to try anymore. Because like for from Kev and Kenny, I tried for a full year. And then as soon as Tanish joined, I sent like every offer I could think of at him. And he was like, oh, I can't do it. I just need like a, a good quarterback in return. And I mean, I, I was offering, you know, Ryan Matt Stafford Tannehill. and stuff like that. But they're <laughs> old, like they're old, good quarterbacks. Like they're not at the same level as Justin Herbert anymore. So, I mean, I understand where he was coming from for sure. Um, but then once he saw that Jalen Hurts offer, he was like, well, I can't turn this down. <laughs> It's like, sorry, dude. Um, you're not gonna be able to match this blank check that I just got. So good luck with that. So it's all right, dude, because my heart shatters every time anyone is on uh Mike's team, as we all know. Because I know I'm just never actually your team too, Darren. We've still never ever have we ever gotten we have we ever gotten close to a trade ever? Um I don't I know. I feel like really we have, but I feel like we almost yeah, we don't even negotiate. Like I just go to you just with like questions and you come to me with some questions, but it's never about like, hey, how about we try negotiating with each other? That just doesn't I think the only time is maybe when I'm trying to get a draft pick or something like that. I'm asking what players you like. Yeah. But other than that, it's never ever we've never gotten to a point where an actual offer is made. I'm like, oh, what are you looking for? Blah blah blah. And you look at my roster and you're like, uh, kind of no one. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I think we like a lot of the same players, but our strategies currently are 
opposite. So you have like a bunch of older guys that like, I don't really want. And then I have a bunch of younger guys that aren't really going to help you right now. <laughs> so I think we have like differing strategies. So it just doesn't make sense at the time for us to even talk about it. Although like the, the one, when I traded for Deshaun Watson, like two years ago or whatever it was, um, that was a good I one. had to, cause I, I knew that like, Deshaun Watson is someone you would have been interested in because you love I was Deshaun in, Watson. And I was in the quarterback market because I think that was because mm-hmm. I've traded for a quarterback. I know I traded for Joe Burrow a handful of times. I also traded for Lamar. So I've definitely had a history. And this was between when I think I got Burrow back. Yeah. So it was it was like uh Kareem Hunt, Calvin Ridley, and a second round pick or something like that. And I was like, my friend in this other league. Um, asked me if he would do this, would you do this trade for Deshaun Watson? You were like, yeah, I would I would probably do that. And then like five seconds later, I accepted the trade. And you were like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yeah, absolutely, I would do that. And as I was pressing send, somehow, I think he hooked it up. So as he got that, he must have hit accept. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. But no, it was like awesome. I checked it. <laughs> I checked it everywhere. I was like, all right, I'm like 99% sure I'm going to do this. And this was before, like, obviously before the quarterback trades were like went out of hand. Um, but like, as soon as that was like my last final assurance, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fantastic to see. And like I said, quarterback runs the PDL, so we can't help but talk about them. But with that being said, before we wrap this super long jam packed episode, Greg, I am going to put you on the spot, but I'm elongating this introduction so you have some time to scramble and think, but I want you to have the floor. Do you have any messages or anything before I wrap up and remind everyone about the owners meeting and stuff like that regarding either the draft or how my team is obviously still the best team in the PDL or just anything you want? Uh, Not really. <laughs> I don't know. It's two fourteen in the morning, so my brain is not necessarily. <laughs> just like, dude, I just want to go. I just want to go. No, I'm fine. Just don't ask me any difficult questions. <laughs> That's like fair. That. No, so, I, I don't think I have any. Uh, I'm pretty much out of this draft now, so you know, I don't need to no smoke screens or anything like that. So, I have an easier question. I think, why are teams not making offers for Lamar Jackson? Ooh, very like topical. On the tag? Yeah, like they all because they have to I offer. Think they, just yeah, I think they think the Ravens are gonna match it though. So like I think that they don't want to be negotiating time. for him. Yeah, and like I I don't know. I, I don't think they want to give the guaranteed money. I really think yeah. that that's like a land line stand and Watson got lucky and found the owner the only owner in the league who is willing to guarantee but Kirk Cousins oh, got it twice. Yeah, but it was three. It was three years. What did Watson get? Watson got how many hundred million yeah, more? Than, that's fair. But I'm just, I'm just trying to make Cousins. a, I'm just trying to make a little. It's not like it was completely never. I mean, yes, the length, the amount no, that him. was guaranteed. I agree. I agree. But I'm just trying to say that. I mean, there was an owner in Minnesota that was completely cool with it. Yeah, I, I guess I should say they don't want to break records to that. Like, yes, I don't think Kirk I agree. Cousins was average salary was like he took less money guaranteed and less term in order to get it guaranteed i think lamar wants it long term fully guaranteed and to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league i just 
don't think that's necessarily a winning combination. And I don't know. I think the agent thing is really not helping him. Like that was also, if you guys remember when like the draft was happening, teams were saying that his draft stock was actually falling because he didn't have an agent and he wasn't really properly representing himself. So this has been a problem for a while now. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know if he takes these negotiations personal where an agent would be more kind of like a middleman. He doesn't have to hear the team say, no, you suck. You're not worth 50 million a year or something like that. I don't know. I just, I I don't know. I, I think, I think Welsh has been saying in the chat, like he just needs an agent to kind of handle the public facing stuff a little bit more. So what are your thoughts and takeaways with the whole thing there? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what Greg was saying. I think like a lot of it um, is that the teams feel like they're probably going to be wasting their time. But I think that there is teams that can off like front load the contract so the Ravens can't match it. Um, like the, the Falcons stand out as a team that doesn't make sense to me why they aren't doing this. Because I think that he would make a lot of sense for Arthur Smith and the Falcons. And they have the cap space where they could make a contract that the Ravens couldn't match and they wouldn't be wasting their time. They would have to give up pick eight and probably a later pick next year, right? But maybe their thought is if this gets shrug out until after the NFL draft, the Falcons could use that pick at eight and then they could trade their 24 and 25 picks and still get Lamar and maybe they get Bijan too so they would have Lamar and Bijan and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and they still have like the good offensive line um, because I think like a lot of teams maybe they're trying to drag it out and hope that it goes after the draft but then you can't really risk it like that because then there could be a team like Indy that comes in they're like Jim Irsay's like I'm gonna give you four and or pick next year I don't give a shit give them all the money we're bringing them in we're gonna win some games and we're gonna win the division so I don't know. Like, I think that they're all kind of just biding their time and just hoping that it just drags out and drags out because especially like Miami, because Miami doesn't have a first round pick this year. And I know that they just gave two of their, um, the fifth year option and everything. Um, but I think that they are hoping that it goes till after the draft because they have no pick this year, but they can use their 24, 25 pick if the NFL draft ends and Lamar is still in the Ravens. So I think like some teams are hoping that that just it just stalls and it just goes a long time, but I don't know. Like I, it's it's very weird to me that no one really wants. And I know that he like he wants a lot of guaranteed money and everything. I get that, but you're getting him at a discount in value because you only have to trade two first round picks for him. Deshaun Watson went for three plus. Uh, Kurt, or Russell Wilson went for two plus. I think. Um. And I don't know. Yeah, but that hasn't just, really worked out that well for those two I, I agree. I agree. It hasn't. But you're still like Matt Stafford went for two plus and he won a Super Bowl. So like there is cases where it does work. And there, those guys, Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford, they're old. And he's 26 and he won an MVP like two years ago. It's just it's strange that no one is like we want a 26 year old former MVP for two first round picks and it could be like a team at the end of the draft like i don't know um specifically like every team's draft pick um i mean the giants would have made sense if they didn't resign Denny dimes that would have been i would have much rather paid 
him 200 million guaranteed than I would have paid Daniel Jones, but I'm not making the decisions there. So I don't know. Like I, I just, it's weird. It's, I don't understand it. Yeah. I think the longer this drags out, the leverage for Baltimore gets better and better because if you actually look at the off season, Baltimore has done like nothing. I feel like they're just kind of like Lamar. Um, you're going to do this. Cause if you do, we're going to have like no money. And they, they just, are kind of paralyzed with the situation. I think all they've really done is what sign Nelson Aguilar, right? Hey, they got rid of Greg Roman. That was that was huge. Yeah, that was yeah. big. <laughs> that was gigantic. And so I feel like they're trying to make the moves to retain him, but it, it's just all up in the air. And I feel like that's what makes it so interesting and what's so frustrating for me because I have Lamar on my team and I'm trying my best to ignore everything and just be like. I just want to take a time machine just so I know just the end. I, I oh gosh, and then they were just saying how. He requested a trade in like March 2nd or something. I was just like, oh, just let me just hit the like mute button. I'm done. But it's going to linger. But I am interested to see what happens because I don't know. Has the bridges been f- fully burnt in Baltimore? I don't know where it's going to go, but it should be fun to kind of find out. But to finally let Greg go because it is just so late over there. I just want to give everyone a reminder that the owners meeting is going to be this upcoming Sunday. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Remember, I want uh, owners there. Uh, I'm not saying it's mandatory, but it's as close as it can be to mandatory. And th- there's actually going to be a little bit of a penalty to pay. And the penalty isn't actually going to be sanctioned by me. It's actually because the owners meeting format has changed for this year. And it will be like this moving forward. It's more of like an open forum where some owners get to bring some topics to the table and make a pitch on what they would like to see changed or adjusted in the league. And then after all these pitches, that's going to conclude the owners meeting. And then we're going to go to the PDL um, chats as we always do um, in sleeper and make some polls and just kind of see how some of the results go. So the penalty of not attending is if you want to see some kind of change, you might not be able to voice it. Or if you're adamantly against something, you might not be able to voice it. So with that being said, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be through Zoom because that's obviously the easiest way. Um, But I am looking forward to it. So instead of putting Greg on the spot, Dare, I'm sure you're looking forward to it too. You don't have to talk about what things you're going to bring up, but there has been some highlight moments of years past in owners meetings. So I'm excited to see what this one has in store because I feel like we have a really good foundation of owners where hopefully um maybe the league turnover slows down and this might be the future and so if that's the case maybe there's going to be some fun stories to tell this owners meeting was that whole spiel a subtweet at brett was it um actually no i wasn't (laughs) even thinking brett i feel like brett's definitely going to be there he knows he has to know right (laughs) uh i think so he said he still listens to the podcast but that's why um, I specifically put a reminder. Anymore? That's why I specifically put a reminder to make sure I bring this up at the end of the pod because I know Brett at the very minimum listens to the podcast. So, Brett, it is going to be this Sunday. It was not a whole subtweet, but I'm actually glad that Darren brought it up. Man, Brett, you live in Darren's head rent free, apparently. It's just there, <laughs> I'm just man. Trying. I'm just thinking that, like, the one person, like, I think, like, Mike, because Mike is always a hassle for you to nail down a time for him to get in these meetings. But I mean, Greg, for you, what is it going to be like 4 a.m. when you're in this <laughs> meeting? Yeah, 4.30, I'll wake up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a fu- If Greg is there and you guys aren't, 
just you guys are real pieces of shit. That's all. Yeah, I'm you need say. a legit, like a legit, legit excuse that why you're not there. Dude from Germany is waking up that early <laughs> on. Like he doesn't. Well, it'd be Monday for him. And it's just, yeah. oh, my God, that just sucks. And he's doing that for us. And then there's going to be some guys be like, oh, I forgot. But it, I'm also one last thing I want to bring up before we conclude is the owners meeting. It's going to be only one hour long. So even if some of you guys are running a little bit late, that's completely OK. I encourage you to still obviously attend. I want 100 percent attendance if we can get there. But remember, I'm going to cut it off exactly at one hour because I want to be very mindful of everybody's time. So 1030 p.m. Eastern is going to be the start and it's going to be this up coming sunday so with that being said guys thank you for listening to this jam-packed episode and greg thanks for joining on man it's been fun huh no problem just uh... thank you for tuning in to the podcast i hope you enjoyed your meal we'll catch you next time